0: Well, it's so good to be back. I was thinking over, you know, as I was driving over, um, how long was it since I was here last on a Sunday morning in this context, because I've, I've been midweek a few times, and uh, I, it's nearly 18 months since. So I know what church is like. People come, people go, churches shrink, churches grow. I just need an ending to the limerick now, but anyway. <laughs> There's a a sense in which some of you here will have never seen me before in my life, in your life, and uh, that's fine. I hope that we have a good relationship by the time we're done this morning. Others of you, I feel like you're old family and friends. So uh, this is my Wigan home. Maybe it's it's certainly my Northwest home anyway. So thank you for having me back and allowing me to have the privilege of sharing a few things. Um, Last week, Hannah shared in the first of this Voices series... And she said at the front end, you know, it's a problem when you're just given something to talk about, you know, you're not given a subject, say what you want. Well, it was the opposite for me, because Ben said, I want you to come and talk about this. Okay, so if you can't settle at peace with what I'm saying, blame Ben. Um, Let's read a scripture, just to open up our thoughts in the time that we have. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start at verse 14, it says this. As for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." This little series is called Voices, and uh, what struck me was, voices speak. Voices speak words, but the big issue for us these days seems to be, can I trust the words? Isn't it? Can we trust the words? We live in a, an information age with instant access to, you know, to Google and Wikipedia and You can ask a question and have thousands of responses instantly at the moment. But how on earth do you decide out of all those answers which is true? What can you actually place your confidence on? Because you know the first results are all the paid ones. So there's paid news to hook you in, to get you to spend more money and get on their websites. And then, of course, there's this wonderful thing called fake news that we're all familiar with now. We're just trying to work out what's fake and what isn't. Have you ever noticed how often when you you do a search, if you look closely, many of the things that have come up as really old news. So it's not a current word. It's not relevant to now. It's old stuff. facts are spun. There are agenda-driven voices on there. And it brings us to, okay, I need a voice. I need a word to speak into a situation now. I need an answer to my question, but can I trust it? What makes a word trustworthy? the end of the day, it's the voice. It's the person speaking it, isn't it? That's what makes it trustworthy. And if you can get to know the person... And you understand their character, you know where it's flowing from in them. You, you understand, no, they're, they're, these people are competent. They can deliver the words that they're speaking. Trust develops. The truth is, you see, you don't just believe a word straight away these days, probably more than ever, because it takes time to build up confidence in the voice. And if I can say it to you simply this morning, it's the same with God. It really is the same with God. Just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you have a belief in God, does not believe mean you immediately just believe everything God says. Or that people tell you God is saying. You have to go on a confidence-building and a trust-building journey with God and His Word and His voice. Sometimes you can feel a bit bad for Doing that or for, for doubting what people say God is saying, but be in peace. We're all on a journey like that. And I think that's what Paul was trying to say to Timothy in the scripture he read. He said, Hey, continuing what you have learned and become convinced of. You're on a journey of deepening convictions about your ability to trust the voice. Now All of us could maybe give, maybe not all of us, but most of you could give an answer to the question, How does God speak to you? And if we went around the room, we'd start hearing things like, Well, God speaks to me through the Bible, uh, or God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit who lives within me. Sometimes it's kind of a thought, sometimes it's a prompt, sometimes it's a sense of peace. Yeah, or sometimes God speaks to me through other believers. People that I really trust and God speaks to me through them and I know it's him. Okay. And we have all these different ways that we come to believe God speaks to us. My question is, as you go on that journey, how do you get to a place of believing God's word is rock solid truth? How, how do I know that? When I, how can I get to a place where I just know that I know that I know when God speaks, it's right, it's solid, it's sound? And I think that's particularly true of the Bible. Because the Bible comes in for a lot of stick these days. You know, if you said, I believe God speaks to me through the Holy Spirit, well, that's hard to quantify for people that don't understand that. <clears throat> God speaks to me through other Christians, so they get that. When you say God speaks to me through the Bible... They go, the Bible? Come on. Old hat, isn't it? You can't how can you be sure that it's really genuine and you're into a whole set of arguments? So I want to say a few things to you in the time I've got around how important it is that we believe the voice of the Bible is rock solid truth. That it's rock solid truth. And dare to admit, before we get there, we have to go on a journey. Because I've got to be the first to say, I have not always believed it. I've not always had that full confidence that I might now say that I have in the Bible. I kind of went on an evidence-gathering journey with the Bible, and then you go on an evidence testing journey with the Bible, and ultimately you only get the conviction that it actually is rock solid truth because you've tested it and you can stand here and say, This book works. The God behind these words works in my life. You now Jesus said of the Father in John 17, He said, Your word is truth. So, Jesus believed the words of his father God that are enshrined in the Bible were truth. And sometimes I've read that and thought, heck, I feel bad now. Because Jesus believed his father's words were true. And I'm questioning them, I'm doubting them, I'm saying, mm, I'm not so sure. Well, I needed convincing. Like many of you, I took a chance on the Bible when I became a Christian. I, kinda, I took a chance to give God the opportunity to convince me, to show me that his word was genuine and was true and could be relied on. And as I went on my evidence-gathering journey, which is my journey, you've got to go on yours, but it's my journey, it did bring me to a place where I can now say to you, hand on heart, I would stake my life on the Bible. In fact, I have staked my life on the Bible. And I would say that all of you in here who've put your faith in Jesus and believe that you're saved, that you're born again, you're now a child of God, you've you've staked your life on the Bible because the Bible informs everything that we believe as Christians. Now, you've got to go on your own conviction-developing journey to that end. But here are just a few things that I discovered on mine which might help you on yours first thing i discovered was this and this is a pretty big statement i discovered that the bible explains god life and the universe who doesn't want to understand god life and the universe you know the whole shi- shebang the whole shooting match because the truth is we're all trying to get our head around that stuff I mean, I I think I always believed there was a God because of my Christian upbringing. So I was aware there was this God figure. And then as I began to look at myself, my humanity, at nature, at the creation, the cosmos, I kind of kept coming back to, there must be a God. I find it harder to believe that there isn't than there is. And I kind of got myself to there. So then I'm looking for a philosophy, a religion, a, a... some kind, of, some kind of information that will help me make sense of that basic belief I have and articulate it, put it into words. I discovered that the Bible gave me those words. The Bible helped me articulate what I was believing and feeling about God, about life, and about the universe. It kind of gave God form. It gave God form as being pre-existent, So he existed before anything came into being. Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He pre-existed. That means he pre-existed science. The true origin, I believe, is God, not science. Science is amazing. Science helps us understand life and the universe. But I think there's a God that precedes it. I'm not going to go into an argument of, well, how do you believe that? Why do you think that? Um, I'm telling you that's what the Bible taught me, and I began to dare to believe it, and it took me on a journey. In God, I found the origin of origins, and I found about His nature, that His character, His power, His love are all explained in the Bible as being someone who is trustworthy. So, I'm I'm beginning to get my head around God because of what the Bible articulates. But more than that, I begin to read the Bible and realize it's articulating me. I'm seeing myself in the book. It's helping me understand my brokenness, my, my attitude to life. It helps me understand human beings. It helps me understand that people are more than just evolved animals. But they're created in God's image with moral awareness, with the power to reason, with free choice. Um, and like a God, we, we're we we're crea- we're creative and we're relational. So we need, we, we create, we develop. We, that's why society's moved on. And we need each other. There's relation and family. It's all expression in our human condition of the nature of God. But we all seem to be a bit broken. Why is it that we don't learn the lessons of history? Why is there yet another war in Europe when there have been 2,000 years of wars in Europe going round and round and round and round in cycles? Why haven't human beings learned? Because they're broken. Because of what the Bible calls sin. This brokenness, this poison that's in the human condition which needs to be fixed the Bible helps me articulate that, helped me understand it, it's giving me a frame of reference for God, life and the universe and of course it also helped me understand how that affects everything, this sin thing affects even the creation, creation's amazing, isn't it, It it's fabulous, the, the planet, the animals, the flora, the fauna, everything, you think wow! And you look at the universe and the stars and you go, wow, it's amazing. But the Bible would lead us to believe that it too is tarnished by this sin thing. It's a bit broken. And how awesome it's going to be when the sin thing is removed. Whoa, I want to live in that world. And the beauty of what the Bible teaches is, I can. I can one day be with God in a a new heaven and a new earth, a new society, which we often just call going to heaven, which sounds a bit crummy compared to the image that the Bible truly gives of that future hope we have. It's, It's kind of there as a big panoramic view. God, life, universe. And the good news is, the Bible also helps me to access it. It shows me the way of salvation. It helps me understand that God gave an answer to the sin problem by sending Jesus, which was effectively God coming himself and saying, you're amazing, this creation's amazing, but it's broken because I did create you in my image, gave you free choice, and your early ancestors made some bad choices, and you're all the recipients of that wrong. Now let's fix it. How do we fix it? By putting each individual human being back in touch with God. And the conduit that puts you back in touch with God is meeting Jesus. Daring to believe that what he came to earth for, what he died on the cross for, was actually about you and me. So I found the Bible has answered all my questions around origins and meaning and morality and destiny. And it's taken me nearly 50 years. You know, I probably I've been reading the Bible seriously for about 50 of my 60 odd years to get that far, so don't panic if you're not quite there yet second thing I discovered, links to a phrase I just used <laughs> the Bible's actually a love letter to me No, mind you lot, it's a love letter to me There's a sense in which when I read the Bible, it's deeply, deeply personal. So at one level, it's giving me this panoramic view of life and God and the universe. But actually, it's God saying, hey, Steve, I'm for you. Jesus came to die for you. You can be part of my family. I want to be your friend. I'm here for you. And as I read the Bible... It takes me on this deepening personal relationship. See, I think if you, if you can dare to believe that God exists, if you started there, you then have to ask the question: Okay, if God exists, what's it all about then? What's His purpose? If He's in control, if He's the sovereign, like some say, what's His purpose? And ultimately, His purpose seems to be to come Himself through Jesus. So that I could have a relationship with him. And as I find that personal relationship with him, and I start my new life, living life with him, it allows me by faith to believe the rest of the Bible, which is that I have a purpose for living, and I have a hope and a future for eternity. He kind of, oh, takes the angst, takes the stress, takes the uncertainty, and I'm choosing to believe that word as rock-solid truth because every little step of obedience I've taken in line with God's word, the Bible, every time I've responded to God's love expressed towards me, I found it works, that it's true, and it's enriched my life and taken me forward. It is true. God so loved the world. God so loved people. And everything he'd made that he gave his only son that we might be born again so the broad the broad answer is the bible teaches us about everything but it's also deeply personal it's a love letter to me a third thing that i found when i started to analyze the bible much more closely was that it's timeless just throw this in as an aside, really. I expected the Bible to be old hat, because it's old. You know, you read it, and it's, it's old names, old places, and so on. But actually, it's, it's, it's always bang up to date. It's relevant because it speaks in a timeless way to that core heart of broken humanity. Our basic need is still the same. We need a meaningful relationship with God And the Bible speaks into that with timeless precision. So yes, it's old in terms of being many thousands of years old as a manuscript, which is why sometimes we need people to help us understand it, which is why you need to be in church, which is why you need to be reading the Bible with others so that we get the most from it. But it's a book of timeless principles that will enrich our lives in a timeless fashion. The last thing I want to say is this. Maybe this is the the bit I want you to grab more than anything else this morning. As I went on my evidence-gathering journey, I discovered the Bible is interactive. These days, we're into interactive tools. You know, you, you look at a phone, a pad, a computer screen, and it's interactive. You're watching, you're inputting. Some of you love the classroom environment and you prefer it when you can be interactive in workshops and discussion. We like the interactive stuff. It stimulates us, it grows us. I've never read another book that's as interactive as the Bible. It is not, it's not just text on a page. You see, when you approach the Bible in good faith, daring to believe God exists, and this might be his word to you, it might be his love letter to you, The author is within you. His spirit is in you, the Bible teaches. And so the writer of the book is in the pages and the text, but also in you. So as you read it, it kind of speaks to you in a a unique way. There's no other book on the planet that speaks to you like the Bible does. And it actually does a work in you. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul talks about the word of God that is at work in you who believe. The word works. So much so that I don't think the committed Christian can actually read the Bible passively. You, you don't just pick it up and say, Oh, well, I want a bit of information. Where can I find out about? It's not like a handbook. No, it's an interactive relational tool to take you deeper into your relationship with Jesus. Now, I've used the phrase a moment or two ago, that when we're born again, when we're saved, the, it's that relationship with God that's brought to birth in us. Do you know that happened through you daring to believe a word? You heard the word of God, the Bible preached or taught or explained, and you dared to believe it by faith. 1 Peter 1, puts it this way. He says, you've been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. So <clears throat> if you call yourself a Christian in here today, you're at least one step into this journey of coming to be convinced that the Bible is rock-solid truth because you are saved through that Word. And the more you read it, the more you allow that Word to speak to you and you interact with it by praying as you read and talking to other believers as you read, it creates within you a godly desire It creates within you a desire to live by kingdom values and not this world's values. It creates a love for God and his ways in you, which nothing else can touch. So this living, creative word has become for me an indispensable life source. Jesus once said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Peter likens the Bible to milk. He says, uh, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow. The Bible's bread. The Bible's milk. Bog standard, routine stuff that you just need every day. That's where the Bible starts. It's not luxury food. It's not caviar. It's not that special meal out. No, it's just our staple diet. No wonder Jeremiah... Said in chapter 15, verse 16, he says, When your word came, I ate it. They were my joy and my heart's delight. There's a lot more I could say, but my evidence-gathering journey about the Bible and my evidence-testing journey about the Bible that's gone on for over 50 years now and is still ongoing has convinced me that the Bible is rock-solid word of truth. Therefore, on every search, it needs to be the top listing. Every time you search for something, you go to God's Word and you talk to the Holy Spirit about it, allow God's Word to come right to the top. It's not at the top because someone's paying for it. It's not at the top because it's sponsored by us. (laughs) It's at the top because it's God speaking it, the most trustworthy voice that can speak to humanity. So I want to urge you, start your journey of growing a conviction that the Bible is rock-solid truth. Now, if you said (coughs) said to me, you know, Steve, why do you believe the Bible's rock-solid truth? All I can say is, because I've tested it and because it does make sense of life, and most importantly, it works. You know, please, don't, please don't cherry pick the Bible read it grasp it's panorama grasp it's sweep of revelation only then do you see that it explains God, life and the universe so stop re- always relying on others to explain it to you read it for yourself feed yourself get your bread, get your milk and please don't just read it for information no, read it for relationship Every time you open those pages, don't go expecting just to get some info. Go expecting to be drawn deeper into your love for Jesus, your understanding of God the Father, to be moved by the Holy Spirit so that your grasp of Him is deepened. And I pray that like me, through reading the Bible, you'll get some life-shaping convictions about God, life in the universe, but you will discover it is a personal love letter written just to you. And then, like Paul said to Timothy in our scripture, you'll be able to continue, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. You'll be gaining convictions about the word being true. Because as he finished, he says, You've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation faith in Christ Jesus, can I encourage you this week? What else? What better thing to do on the summer holidays, when you're on the beach or when you're sat in your garden in the sunshine or with your umbrella, whatever? Open your Bible, read some word, get some truth into you. Start your evidence-gathering journey because it will deepen as you go forward each and every day. Amen. Let me just pray with you, and I'll hand back to the guys. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your Word, which feeds us and nourishes us. And we pray that you will give courage to everyone in this room today to dare to go on a journey of deepening conviction about your awesome Word. Lord, let the pages of our Bible be often read, not just stuck together and never referenced. Lord, let the Bible become life to us, food to us like never before to take us from strength to strength in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.